I'm eager to talk about some elements of um, of changing education as well in the province. And it's we've been wanting to talk to our next guest for quite a while. But yesterday, um, the NDP renewed a call for mandatory Afrocentric education in Ontario. And it's a sensible call to make. There's very little of it. I will tell you that from looking at my kids' own curriculum, um, it's it's a it's a very rare thing. So um, ironic that we're getting our next guest on an important day like this when we're talking about what the TDSB still decided. Laura May Lindo is uh, the MPP for Kitchener Center, but only for a little while longer. Uh, it was announced uh, a couple of weeks ago. She announced that she'll be taking a position as a uh, university professor in philosophy. And Laura May, it's great to have you on. I oh, uh, Congratulations on this decision. I always feel like we need we need people like you with your voice and your advocacy in politics, but we also need great university professors. So we're not losing out there. Thank you so much and happy Black History Month. It is that second day, uh, <laughs> second day in. By the way, you have a philosophy degree, so this is great because some yeah. some wise uh, acre, I was going to say something else, student will say to you in a couple of years, well, what do you know about philosophy? And you're like, I've, I've got a degree in it. I know all the things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not hosting a science or math podcast and I'm here talking <laughs> to you. I, I gave up on that stuff around uh, 10th grade. Um, before we get to this, tell me, tell me about that decision. Um, politics is harder than ever. There's more scrutiny than ever. You give up more, I think, of your private life than ever. Why was now the right time? Um, for me, it was a little bit complicated. Yes, the job is hard, and I'm never going to say that, it, that it's not a difficult job, but that wasn't actually the reason that I had to step away. Um, I had the passing of my father and a mm-hmm. cousin um, over the holidays, which kind of makes you rethink uh, where you're putting your energy. And we ran into some issues actually from the time I was elected with childcare. So being a single parent with three kids um, and having to be in Toronto four days uh, in a week when the house is sitting, um, there there were some issues with recognizing the overnight childcare that I needed so I could stay in Toronto as an eligible expense. And so as I came up against that systemic barrier, I realized, um, A, I don't feel comfortable doing half the job, just working from, from the riding, which I know some people uh, mm. have done. Um, but it just didn't sit right with me because I knew the people of Kitchener Centre were asking me to come to Queen's Park. So it's time for me to step aside. It's also time for me to speak openly about some of those systemic barriers and Mm -hmm. have those real conversations about representation at Queen's Park. You bring up something I do want to follow up on, and and that's child care. And and for female and male um, MPPs, is is enough done there? Um, I know when we went virtual, some people might say, well, you've got the best of both worlds. But anybody who's ever tried to do important work at home with young <laughs> mine are older now that like my, I've yeah. got teenagers. They don't pay attention to me. But but you're a ways <laughs> away from that. So, you know, um, yeah. the idea of the idea of, of doing it from home and balancing it. And, you know, as well as I know, some people who are fascinated by politics, they might do it municipally, but they'll be like, I don't I don't want to move to Ottawa, I, I, even yeah. across areas of Ontario. They don't want to move to Toronto and it's nothing against those cities. It's just the distance from family. It's the distance from family. And you're right. Um, I, it's interesting. When I was first elected, I had said to them, like, I'm a single parent. So mm-hmm. how is this actually going to work, uh, like, logistically? And everybody just sort of assumed it would be easy. Like, there was nobody that thought that I would still be fighting the same battle for child care expenses to be considered eligible five years in. Um, and I think that that's actually quite telling. We make an assumption that our systems are ready, in the words of Beyonce, for this jelly. Yes, I did 
quote Beyonce. I saw the tour um, announcement yesterday. This will give you more time to get to one of those shows, get to one oh, of those gigs, wait. Laura. I can't wait. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of assume that the system is going to just do mm. those things. But it turns out that the legislation that actually guides what kinds of expenses an MPP is allowed to submit doesn't talk about childcare because this has never been a, a consideration for your elected representatives. If we think about where this all started, it was often men who, if they're married and had children, had a a partner at home who would be watching their kids. They never really had to think about, um, you know, can I get to work and stay overnight and that kind of stuff because we were in a very different world, right? But now when we've got a lot of people who are, um, we've got a lot of single parents, we've got a lot of folks with younger kids, if you don't have that that network and you don't live in Toronto, this job starts to become a little bit daunting. So for me, what mm. ended up happening was it was the first time that the Legislative Assembly, I'm told, it was the first time that they had to take seriously this request for, for child care overnight as being eligible. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a strange situation, but I'm hoping that something will change sooner than later. It's uh, Laura Maylindo joining us. Uh, she's the MPP for Kitchener Center. Um, and so you've been following the news. You know, at the TDSB last night, uh, a grade 11 um, indigenous English course is going to be implemented, um, mandated as a requirement. And mm-hmm. uh, they'll kick out some of the classics uh, deemed as as Eurocentric. But um, you made the call yesterday, as did, as I mentioned, Jill Andrew, to say yeah. we don't have enough mandatory Afrocentric education in Ontario. And just for our listeners... Um, the black population in Ontario is is five point five percent. The indigenous population, for what it's worth, though we absolutely need to do more in terms of curriculum. I'd argue from JK to twelve, not just not just mm-hmm. in one grade, is is less than two percent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I understand you being able to say based on last night, we're not being fairly represented here, even by numbers, let alone responsibility. So I would actually take the whole argument a step back because I do find these kinds of um, changes really interesting. When I first started teaching, because once upon a time I was also in the classroom, Mm -hmm. um, I assumed that Shakespeare was required. Like I thought that you had to teach Shakespeare, but I found out as I read the curriculum more closely that what an educator is asked to do in the classroom is teach different types of English. So when you're in in an English classroom, which is where I was teaching, you had to show um, old English and newer English and this version of English, which, to be honest, if you're creative, provides a lot of space to talk about different kinds of literature. But when you've got a system that's starved of resources, a lot of teachers have to rely on whatever course textbooks are available. So Shakespeare became the norm. You had to teach Um, you know, Romeo and Juliet in grade nine, or you had to teach Hamlet by grade 12, because those were the amount of course textbooks that you had available, not because that's what was necessarily required in the curriculum. However, if the curriculum doesn't state explicitly these kinds of examples, then teachers also don't know that this is something that they're a allowed to do according to what the province requires, but they're also not trained on it when they're in teacher's college. So Shakespeare is actually made explicit as an example of one type of different kinds of English that you can teach in the classroom, but Indigenous literature isn't. Um, You know, literature by Black authors isn't made explicit. And history in particular, um, sort of expanding our understanding of 
what happened on this land, the land that we are actually learning on and respecting that history isn't made explicit either. And so you end up with this cycle. If it's not stated explicitly by the province in the curriculum, then teachers colleges don't teach you how to teach that. So when you get into the classroom Mm. as a new teacher, you don't have that material and you've never actually experienced it. And so you just do whatever's the norm and you end up in this vicious cycle with a lack of representation. So so when that that happens last night, is there a little bit of you saying, like, hold it, like, like there is there has to be that aspect of what about us? What about so many amazing? What about teaching Maya Angelou? Like, what about adding like there's obviously some mix and match we can do to the curriculum instead of making it a blanket scenario where it's all European authors or all indigenous authors. Like, I think we should have a bit more of a kaleidoscope with English and history. That's me. Absolutely. So I personally actually see this as an opportunity for us to broaden the discussion. So for us to have this discussion right now on air Mm -hmm. is why that move in the TDSB is so important. It allows us to make it make sure that what we do next isn't actually replicating the same problem because we shouldn't have indigenous communities pit against black communities. If you do that, you're forgetting that there are Afro-Indigenous communities that exist right here that are in our classrooms. Sure. And so there's ways for us to just understand that this move is so important. It opens up an opportunity for us to start thinking differently about the curriculum. There's, there are so many different authors that talk about amazing, amazing things. There's so many different ways that you can approach our history, and there's so many interesting ways that you can engage our students. So we've got to make sure that we put representation front and center. We've got to make sure that what we're changing in the curriculum is student affirming, which is something that Dr. Jill Andrew and I have been fighting for um, since we were elected, along with the other Black Caucus members when, when we first started in 2019, um, when the Black Caucus was formed. I don't think that we have to say, well, we're only able to help Indigenous communities. I think we have to think about it as if we can help Indigenous communities feel heard, felt and cared for, then we can definitely make sure that Black communities are heard, felt and cared for, too. And some of that is just making sure that you've got the right material in the hands of our educators so that they can make creative decisions in that classroom to support their students. A hundred percent. And, you know, I've, I've only got a minute. I want to have such a longer conversation about this at some point with you. But but I look and say I, I just want I want our curriculum, English history, whatever it is to look like the kids that the teacher is teaching. I think that's just critical at this point in time. Like South Asian, yeah. the South Asian population in Toronto is is huge. And and so there should be books by South Asian authors, East Asian authors. That's about 22% combined of Toronto's population. So the Absolutely. kids need to see themselves in the books. I think kids need to see themselves reflected in the books and the material that's in the classroom, but we also have to design material that represents the entire world because we want to make sure that the reason that we send our kids to school is to make them ready to be global citizens. So they've got to see different people Mm -hmm. and different things that are happening. I think that's just good pedagogy. That's good teaching. And I think we can do it. What happened in the TDSB yesterday is a sure sign that we can. So let's just keep moving in that direction. Laura Maylindo, thanks so much for the time today. Let's have more conversations. Congratulations, by the way, on your decision. And and I know your work is is nowhere near done for your community. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Laura Maylindo, MPP for Kitchener Center.